the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Ah, <laughs> That's always one of my favorite sounds for the... Right, the person goes, ah. The dollar index pulls back following a disappointing March retail sales, just up nine-tenths of a percent. People were expecting 1%. I know you're saying, what the hell is the difference between nine-tenths of a percent and 1%? Well, it's on the disappointing side. The Dow Jones Transportation Average is pressured by disappointing revenue guidance from Norfolk Southern. We got a great big convoy. Convoy. Um, so the Dow Jones transportation average, ding, 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 is super important. Why? Loyal listeners, I will let you tell me, why is the Dow Jones transportation average important? I already give you a hint with the convoy. It's truckers. It's planes. It's trains. Why is it so important? Why does Rob Black give a SHI double toothpicks? No, no, that's t- that's how. Uh, why does Rob give a, a DAM a water dam? Why don't why do I give a water dam about the Dow Jones transportation average? Because those are the people that move our economy. Everything you consume was either trucked there, trained there, or planes there. I know you're saying, plane's not a word. Just get off my back. Get off my back. The price-weighted Dow showed a little bit of early strength tied towards Goldman Sachs. J.P. Morgan had better than expected earnings. The broader financials are trading in line. Wells Fargo, nice quarter. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, 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 that's annoying. Um, oh, oh, we're in earnings season. So that that's nice to know. Good. Positives there. 
do we care about the Wall Street market waiting? How are we trading higher or lower today? I don't think we do. But you could say that we do. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. The U.S. shale oil boom has turned to gloom. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Let me finish that thought because I, I made such an annoying instance of it. The Dow Jones transportation average, pressured by disappointing guidance, that's bad for our economy. Like I said, everything that is in our lives was trucked there, airdropped there, parachuted there, trained there, choo-choo. Now, certain trains have certain meanings on our economy. Like some trains are in the southwest part of the United States are more tied towards cars coming out of Mexico where some trains up near Canada are more about coal and oil coming out of Canada. But it, yeah, the transportation index is probably one of those, <clears throat> if I were to come up with 30 things that I would pay attention to, um, that would be one of them. guy who spent $37,000 on a computer science degree from a for-profit college can't get a job at Best Buy's Geek Squad. Some of the stories that are out there really tell you how our economy is doing. I'm not a big for-profit college kind of guy. Don't know why. It just, to me, like Corinthian colleges, when I learned that there's no such thing as Corinthian leather, and Ricardo Montalban, Ricardo Montalban, with fine, rich Corinthian leather... When I learned that there was no such thing as Corinthian leather, I, leather, I kind of gave up on the whole concept of the world. So when I see Corinthian colleges, it just reminds me that I don't believe in the world anymore, that my world's been shattered. And uh, I'm just not a big fan of you know, colleges that are for profit, that are, they just seem to promise too much, and the commercials are always like, Look at this great job placement we just got for this 27-year-old. No. I got my degree from blah, 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 and now I'm doing this. I can't believe it. So a 28-year-old guy named Michael Adorno got fed up with his low-wage job at a pizzeria. He attended a for-profit college. Uh, got a degree in network administration. Three years later, he's unemployed and even rejected from a job at Best Buy. So I'm not a big fan of uh, Cocos. I'm not going to say Cocos. Cocos are okay. Cocos, like uh, community colleges, are okay. But the for-profit, the, the Phoenix Universities and the Corinthians, eh, not for me. Nokia is in talks to buy Alcatel-Lucent. That's kind of a big story to me. Because I remember, and I know you're saying, please take us down memory lane. Please? Okay, come with me down memory lane. Rob Black remembers... In the good old days when there was a company called AT&T and they spun off Lucent. Lucent was basically Google, it was Facebook, it was Apple of its day in the late 80s and early 90s. It was a rock and roll star. The, like Fiber optics, they dominated. Like, whoa, cutting edge. And the stock was a, a rock and roll star. Ultimately, Lucent go, gets in bed with Alcatel. So Lucent was like um, the research arm, the network equipment arm of AT&T, 
which great American networking communication company. Great, right? So Lucent was spun off as a rock star. They ultimately somehow get acquired by Alcatel. Alcatel's French, and I don't give a turd about French companies. I don't know why I say that. I just don't. I've never found. I've never run into one where I'm like, "Ooh, this is a must-have. I gotta love this one." Even their even their BS oil company, Total, has to be pronounced Total, Total, not Total, Total. Um, so Finnish telecommunication equipment company, which I do like the Finnish people. I don't know why. I think it's something about the slippery galoshes they wear. But Nokia's in advance talks to buy Alcatel Lucent. Alcatel Lucent should never have got together. It's one of those bad marriages where you just know it's a bad marriage. It's like he's this like 93-pound weakling, and she is this big brute that like is a little on the dumb side. Alcatel Lucent is like, why did you two get married? It doesn't make any sense. And now Nokia, also pronounced as Nokia, if you're actually Finnish. And I'm not, but I actually know a Finnish person. I know you're saying, you know a Finnish person? I do. I'm kind of a big deal. Uh, so Nokia is thinking about buying Alcatel Lucent. It's a sad, pathetic, sad and pathetic day. That's just where we are in the world of these companies were great. Back in the day, thanks for going down memory lane with me. I don't like Nokia, I don't like Alcatel, I don't like Lucent. I think they're all like, I'm not going to say redheaded stepchildren, because I actually like redheads. Gingers, I'm okay with. Female gingers get away with it a lot easier than male gingers do. Our society's tough on the male redhead. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Don't forget to get a big event coming up in a couple Saturdays from now in San Jose, a Money 101 and a Wealth Preservation Planning event. Sign up at robblack.com. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking about things financial. A lot of people, no, 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 a lot of people, talk on Wall Street is that we're in, we're due for a correction. You okay with that? I am. I don't look at my portfolio every single day. In fact, I don't look at my portfolio, but maybe once a month, once a quarter. I'm not stressed. I look at my companies on a daily basis, and I study them and make sure that I'm not falling behind the curve there, but I'm not a panic kind of guy. Hopefully, you're not either. I think you'll be a much better investor when you stop being that. There's a couple stocks out there that are going to surge as millennials take over. Um, millennials, people, you know, 
born between 1980 and 2000 are the biggest generation in history, dwarfing even the baby boomers. They control $2 trillion of assets, a figure that's expected to grow to $7 trillion by the end of the decade. That's a lot. Um, I'll talk about this and more in the future about the millennials. Names that you should own. Names like Wells Fargo, Bank of America. Um, the millennials will be customers of big banks. They will not go to a branch very often. They will be incredibly light users of branch banking, and it's going to cause a huge reduction in the number of branches out there. The employees at these headquarters will be downsized. That's worthy of note. There won't be a commiserate demand for physical locations and for employees at physical locations, so higher revenue and lower expenses. Almost sounds like a Costco of banking. You can find me online at robblack.com. Let's see if we have time for CFP, Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton from New Focus Financial. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. I think you got this email, so I don't know the name on it, but it says, I have zero debt, own a $300,000 condo outright. I want to exactly brag about that. I have $210,000 in an IRS, $70,000 liquid, $8,000 to invest per month, $8,000 to invest per month. Goal is to guarantee income, $4,000 per month for life so that I can retire as soon as possible between the age of 40 and 50. I'm currently 34 years old. What do you recommend for me? How much are fees? Well, first of all, the condo is probably in Stockton, so that's a great, great, great condo in Stockton. Be nice. Um, could all right, be, could be a free month. This this email was interesting because a lot going on. Well, there's a lot going on, and part of it is just the understanding of the the time value of money, which is really important in terms of understanding how much you need to save for retirement. And the first concept that people need to get is inflation. Because inflation is really for the average retirement. That's kind of the boogeyman. You know, how, how much were my costs? Once I have a limited resource, which, resource, which is my nest egg, how long is this money going to last? And inflation plays a big part in that. A 1% move in inflation means you have to draw more out of your portfolio. And if, if you have to sit and do the math. But trust me, if a 1% move up in inflation is more hurtful to a portfolio than a 1% move down in long-term growth rates. Because one is a draw and one is a growth. So you have to do the math to figure it out. But look, this guy's saying I want he's, – he's making like $8,000 a month to invest now. Right. And he's saying he only wants 4000 a month to live in retirement. If 8000 a month is what, 96000 a year, right? That's what he has left over to invest, yeah. Okay, that's pretty good. Right. Yeah, it's a sizable chunk. He wants four k a month in income, i.e. about $50,000 a year in income. At age 50, retiring at age 40 to 50, right. $40,000 a year in income? Well, the first You're thing not exactly a swinger. No. And, and, okay, so the value of money is cut in half every 18 years with inflation at yeah. normal rates. So the first math you have to do is say, okay, to get 4000 a month in today's dollars, at age 50, he'll need $8,000 a month to maintain whatever that 4000 he thinks is going to buy him. Okay? So then he has to realize that whatever vehicles he's saved in are typically pre-tax or there's embedded gains, and he has to pay Uncle Sam when he draws out. So then you have to say, okay, I actually need $11,000 a month to sell it out of my portfolio, pay taxes to net that eight grand, Yeah. right? The next step, you say, okay, that $11,000 a month, that means you need about $137,000 a year to live, okay? And so it, and the math is actually 11429 equates to 137143 a year to live. Now, at age 50, if you want your money to last till age 100, 
And you want to be able to make sure that you have the ability to draw a little bit more out each year for inflation. At age 50, a 50-year-old could only safely draw about 3.5% a year out of the portfolio. They have to leave, and this is assuming about a 6% growth rate. They, have, they can only draw 3.5% out a year to live because they have to leave the other 2.5% or more that they get in growth in there for future, future inflation costs because you can draw out a certain amount each year, and then it's going to increase every single year with inflation. So that person, to maintain that $137,143 a year that we just calculated, would need $3.9 million to be able to retire at age 50. And that said, you, you know, Think about that. And also, 33, he's putting away 100000 a year. He ain't going to hit the number. He, well, he might, but the problem is, does he want to? Does he want yeah. that much of a drastic change if he's a doctor making enough to save $8,000 a month? Yeah. Does he really want that step down in the standard of living? Does he really realize the cost And he's a high earner money? right now. I question, like, put, I don't want to take my foot off the gas too soon. Right. Because when I do, I'm not going back to work. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you want that flexibility to be... So if you want to work, you can. If Once you don't, I leave the high-profile career of AM radio, <laughs> getting back I, into it is not going to be the easiest thing in the world because that job will have been replaced. Yeah. Your voice will sound old. It'll be yeah. terrible. <laughs> Trust me, there's plenty of old people in this station. <laughs> I will be young for another 30 years, comparatively. Um, with that said, also, like, what if he's, like, 45 and has a heart attack and, like, Healthcare is going to be super expensive for them until the retirement years. Nice thing about working is company covers your health care sometimes. Well, you really got to think about what you're going to do in retirement. A lot of people think they want to retire at 50, and then they – what are you going to do every day? What's going to make you happy? And sometimes that's still working in some way, shape, or form or volunteering or whatever it may be. The other thing is, is he talks about guarantees 4000 a month in income. The thing you can get in terms of guaranteed income is buying life annuities from insurance companies. You don't want to do that. At all-time interest rate lows, you do not want to do that. So doctors get sold a lot of product. They have to be really careful, make sure they're working with a fee-based fiduciary, you know, CFP. CFP, Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black. So one of the reasons I do this show is for the stunning truth. We're not ready for retirement. Only 60% of baby boomers report having any retirement savings. Do you know what that's going to look like? Some people think you should invest in Berkshire Hathaway because one of the companies that is inside Berkshire Hathaway builds mobile homes. That's what retirement looks like when you have no retirement savings. I'm not saying mobile homes are a bad thing. I, I, they're not for me. I've seen some really nice double wides, but they're still not for me. 36% say they had a plan to retire at 70 or later. That's not retirement. That's working until you die. 27% of baby boomers are confident they have enough for retirement. That's 27%. That's one in four. Only six in ten boomers have any retirement savings, down from roughly eight in ten in previous years. I think there's a lot of financial stress headed in our way. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Trying to get you to retirement. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst with Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing fine. Good to be back with you. It's been a while since we've chatted. Any big global updates? Anything changed in the world that we need to hit on upon first? Uh, I was, you know, I was just going to say it's like it has been a while since we chatted, and I think the market's pretty much exactly where it was when we last chatted. Um, so it's kind of been emblematic of the of this year where you've just had this, you know, constant up and down action without any real um, resolution in in either direction. So, um, you know, we're seeing it unfold already this week. You know, coming off of a big gain last week, and uh, now we're kind of struggling to get going this week. With that being said, the market's not going anywhere. It's okay. It's normal. It happens. It may make us impatient, but global markets, some of them have been doing quite well. Um, my diversified portfolio in my 401ks, you know, part of it's doing great, part of it's doing eh. That's kind of an okay thing, right? That's kind of a, a good way of looking at it, that it's okay to be okay. Yeah, it is. You know, and I think that, you know, let's not forget the market is up. You know, it's up 1%, okay? Um, you know, it could be worse. Um, and you're coming off of uh, several years of double-digit gains, you know. So it's, it's not, uh, should we say, unreasonable to, you know, look at it moving sideways here as it sort of consolidates some of those moves, which, you know, arguably were, you know, a bit overdone. But, but nonetheless, you have a market that's, that's – overall acting fairly resilient, uh, you know, especially when you stop to consider, you know, went through the first quarter uh, hanging in there pretty good. All the while, earnings revisions were moving down. Economic data was coming in very disappointing. Uh, and, and there you have the S&P 500 sitting, you know, on the doorstep of an all-time high. So there's been a really uh, resilient air about the market. But in relation to your point about how some of the foreign markets have done better, uh, I think that's also understandable. Uh, you know, when you look at just portfolio rebalancing efforts, right, you want to look at those areas that may have underperformed and are, you know, priced at, uh, you know, lower values than they were uh, relative to some of these other areas that have done very well and are now looking more richly priced. And, you know, you reallocate, and I think that's helped uh, in large part uh, European markets and markets in Asia uh, that have also um, – you know, have the added benefit for uh, of their their weaker currencies there. So, um, so that you know that that's helping in in this respect, and it's kind of leaving the U.S. trailing these other markets for the time being. But um, but again, the overreaching point is that that's not necessarily a terrible thing uh, when you consider how far we've come over the last several years. I hate coming across as not having an opinion or being kind of wishy-washy, but I'm seeing kind of wishy-washy. Um, Goldman Sachs up today, J.P. Morgan Chase, it looks like a pretty good quarter on the outside. Wells Fargo, pretty good quarter looking at that. But, you know, so the financials are doing great, and I think that's great for the market. You know, you have to have a good financial system. Banks, you know, they don't lend money to alcoholic, well, not alcoholics, but they don't lend money stupidly or unwisely. And then you see, on the other hand, you see like Norfolk Southern cutting guidance. So the banks look strong, but the transports look weak. I'm getting some wishy-washy kind of feelings from this market. Are you seeing that as well? Yeah, I think, you know, there are some, some you know, a good bit of mixed sentiment here, um, some okay. mixed messages. Um, yeah, you know, I think you take a step back, you look at, uh, you know, Wells Fargo, and yeah, they beat uh, analysts' expectations, but their profit on a year-over-year basis is actually slightly lower than it was a year ago. 
So, yeah, you know, it's okay. You know, Johnson and Johnson got out there and beat estimates. Um, but again, I mean, their earnings growth year over year was, uh, you know, 1%, right? The stock trades at about 16 times forward earnings for 1% earnings growth. And you're like, eh, you know, so I think it's, I think you're having that that mindset kick in here when you recognize that, you know, valuations are are full in many respects. And so it's taking a lot more, um, uh, I think, on the bottom line uh, to really kind of get these stocks moving again and investors so far aren't seeing that and and that's generally the kind of like the bigger point bigger picture here for, you know for the broader market um, fair valuation fairly full no real earnings growth right you know first quarter earnings are expected to decline 3.2 percent calendar year 2015 earnings expected to be flat uh, so investors just aren't well as willing as they were you know a few years ago uh, when they could rely on interest rates absolutely remaining at the zero bound uh, to pay up for every dollar of earnings now, uh, knowing that the Fed is uh, continues to talk as if it really wants to raise interest rates, but is just waiting for that data to give them the uh, the validation to do so. Now, some of that data came out today with retail sales jumping nine tenths of a percent, according to your page one column. Motor vehicle sales up two point seven percent. That's pretty strong. Is that a number that you can get behind motor vehicle sales up 2.7% and say, maybe I should look at an auto for my portfolio or an auto ETF? Because 2.7%, that's a big number, economically speaking. Yeah, it is a big number. Um, I think, you know, what we've learned about uh, auto sales is that financing conditions have become fairly, um, uh, I don't know if lax is the right word, but certainly have become more generous where it's Coming easier to get auto loans, you know, at very reduced interest rates and at long financing terms. Um, I think that the story around the strength in auto sales is is fairly well understood by now. So as it relates to the investment prospects in these automakers, um, you know, it, it it's hard to say that they're you know good buys at this point. Um, you know, as an aside, we saw General Motors this morning raise its dividend by 20 percent. You know. For a long-term investors, that's great news, right? Uh, for those income-oriented investors, anyway. So, um, so it kind of will all boil down, I think, to what one's investment time horizon is when you're looking at these automakers. Maybe not the best things going in the very near term, but uh, okay. but if you can get a good sense that they're going to have the financial wherewithal to keep raising dividends, uh, you know, maybe start you know dipping your foot in the water there if you have a longer-term time horizon. Anything else that you're working on right now that you think is insightful on a bigger kind of look into the economy and the stock market? Yeah, well, it's all, uh, for me anyway, it's all about earnings this week. But one thing I'm going to start working on, I think, is we've we've obviously harped a lot about the strong dollar. Um, you know, I'm going to try and look at running some screens perhaps for some of those foreign companies that are listed on U.S. exchanges that will benefit from that stronger dollar via a weaker currency on their end. So the translation effects works the other way as they, you know, take uh, their U.S.-based sales back to their foreign domiciles. And so just going to start digging into that a little bit and see if uh, there's some opportunities there. Question for you. Uh, I saw today that the Wall Street Journal is reporting that Nokia is interested in potentially buying Alcatel-Lucent. I get a little nostalgic because I've been in this business a while, as have you. Do you look back and think of like, whoa, the 1990s, Alcatel, Lucent, Nokia, all great investments, and today they're just they're they're a shadow of themselves. Do you get nostalgic in the 
not that you want these guys to be heroes again, but it's just it's humbling, isn't it? It is humbling, and I'd say it's a sobering reminder as you look at kind of like the changing of the guard and some of these other new leadership stocks that, um, you know, they're not always all they're cracked up to be in the height of the, you know, <laughs> of the speculative moment. So you have to really be careful about some of the names that you're chasing because uh, at the end of the day, the fundamentals are going to win out. And with respect to those two companies, uh, the fundamentals didn't help them, and uh, therefore they're at trading at sharply reduced prices from where they were uh, back in the heyday. I will let you go on that. Let's get back to work. Thanks, as always. It's Patrick O'Hara, Chief Market Analyst at Briefing.com. Briefing's a great resource. Um, it's for a small investor. It's for a big investment firm. Uh, financial media, I start my day every day reading you know, all the profiles and the stories. The breaking news section of Briefing.com is, is worth the price of admission alone. People should check it out at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. And Patrick O'Hare, consistent uh, for 20-plus years, uh, at least 15-plus that I know. Um, but pretty solid product. It's, it's very rare that you stick with a product that long in this day and age, and I've stuck with it that long because it's top-notch. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. One of the things that I said inside that segment was that U.S. investors need to have some exposure to foreign markets. And it stinks when the U.S. market rocks and rolls and goes up 30% in a year, and you're like, oh, I wish I had all everything in that basket. But there's something called the Vanguard Developed Market Exchange. It can underperform. Um, and then out of nowhere, it can outperform. What you're looking for is over time, how does it do? Large U.S. stocks um, are sexy, and they do have that international exposure. Large U.S. cops do, caps stocks do. Um, China and India seem to be like on or off. I think you accumulate long term a little bit of the U.S. markets and a little bit of international markets and a little bit of mid cap U.S. and a little bit of small cap U.S. And some sort of income gets in your portfolio. Um, and then you reinvest that income into more shares that ETF or mutual fund or stock. Um, you don't let it sit in cash. I think cash is trash for the long-term investment. Uh, for the short-term, cash is, is quite useful. But for the long-term, it's quite useless. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Johnson Johnson profits fall as the dollar rose. Johnson Johnson reported an 8.6% decline in first quarter and reduced its 2015 per share earnings outlook amid increased pressure from a strong U.S. dollar. I would look at a strong U.S. dollar story that negatively hurts the stock you're looking at as potentially an opportunity get into that stock. It's a good problem to have. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. The Masters this weekend, Jordan Spieth won. Bigger winner? Well, he's 21 years old, so that's pretty big. His caddy was a 
sixth grade math teacher three years ago. That's a big winner for sure. Both of them. Let's, you know, tip the hat, right? Biggest winner, though, Under Armour. Um, they basically two years ago signed Jordan Spieth to wear their, their, their clothes. And they don't make golf equipment. They just make clothes in this scenario. So he signed up because he didn't have to change clubs. And he was 19. And they basically ripped up his deal a couple of years ago and, and reset him to a 10-year deal. That's going to work out pretty well with him. In the last year, Under Armour signed deals with Muhammad Ali, Steph Curry from the Golden State Warriors, supermodel Giselle Munchen, and ballerina Misty Copeland. Very interesting, eclectic group. Under Armour has grown rapidly over the last 18 years. At one point in time, a few years ago, they had to pay a golfer $8,000 up front to wear its gear. So the CEO and a couple of his buddies had to go to the ATM and try to pull out $8,000 in cash. Um, that's who they are. Can you imagine trying to pull $8,000 in cash out of an ATM? That's getting the job done. I like Under Armour's long-term patient investor. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of the things I, I like to talk about on a regular basis is companies that you know. One of them is McDonald's. And Italian pizzerias are butting heads with McDonald's over a commercial that shows a child spurning a local slice of Neapolitan pizza in favor of a Happy Meal. And this is, I find this humorous. The Italians are taking themselves way too serious. There's an association, Veracci Pizza Napoletina, or True Neapolitan Pizza Association. They're threatening to sue the fast food giant, claiming the advertisement is a dishonorable attack against one of the symbols of the Mediterranean diet. The McDonald's Italian language commercial opens with a family of three waiting to order at a pizzeria. As mom and dad hesitate to order, a well-dressed waiter asks the young boy which pizza he'd like. And ignoring the menu, the boy goes, Happy Meal! Prompting a confused look from the waiter, Families quickly transported to a McDonald's restaurant magically. A voiceover closes with, your child has no doubts. Happy meal still. So again, there's an association for Veracci Pizza Napoletina, the true Neapolitan Pizza Association. This is why I hate Italians. Not just because they ride around on scooters and go, ciao. Like anytime I see a scooter down, in the road, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I don't do that, but I could. But our legal office is considering to use a law in order to stop the dishonorable attack against one of the symbols of the Mediterranean diet. Can you imagine suing because a commercial has a kid not wanting pizza, instead wanting a stinking McDonald's Happy Meal? Yep, <laughs> there you go. So the statement goes on, though. There could be a very real risk of backlash here as the local pizza trade associates come out with all guns blazing in the section of the Italian public seemingly don't need much encouragement in terms of pushing back against McDonald's. The ad is tongue-in-cheek. It's not supposed to be provocative. It's not supposed to be controversial. And yet the Italians can't let it go. And I, again, one of the problems with the world is that there's associations of true Neapolitan pizza associations. Like, we don't need that. 
We don't need them raising money. We don't need them having executive officers. We don't need them having marketing campaigns. So I know, I just pissed off some of my Italian audience. So it comes with the territory. Amazon and HarperCollins have reached a deal. The firms have reached an agreement that covers both print and digital titles. Oh, I didn't think that was going to be done. U.S. drug spending increases the most in 15, 13 years. How much do, do the Americans spend on drugs? I'll give you a hint. It's billions. $373 billion for the pharmacy bill last year. Last year, we saw a growth of about $43 billion. Uh, a lot of that increase comes from treatments for hepatitis C, cancer, diabetes, multiple sclerosis. Um, U.S. regulators approved more new drugs last year than in the year since 2001. You have to own a pharmaceutical stock or a pharmaceutical index or a pharmaceutical ETF. You have to. 11.7 million Americans gained health coverage under the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. They weren't a major driver, though. The main contributor was new and expensive specialty treatments. Drug makers introduced four new hot products for hepatitis C, a liver virus that's infected about 3 million people in the U.S. The drugs are amongst the most expensive treatments ever, with Gilead Sciences' Harvani listing it at more than $1,000 a pill. Whew. In total, the U.S. spent $12.3 billion on treatments last year. Drug makers also lost less revenue from generic drugs in 2014. you got to own drug makers. you got to. And again, if you want to own an ETF that covers all of them, I think that's a great trend. Do you think we're going to consume more medications and pharmaceuticals in the future? I do. I don't see that trend reversing. Do you? No, I do not. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. Got a big event coming up in San Jose on April 25th. It's a Saturday, Money 101 in the morning. That's my favorite event to do because I'm really gearing it towards people under the age of 45 uh, who are accumulating wealth and need to learn how to do things from insurance to investing to 401ks to getting ahead as a family. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.